10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in to another edition of the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. It's finals week. And I guess one thing about being out of school is you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. I don't miss cramming for finals. We had Carter Holt in here last week, and he talked about, hey, it's the best time of the year once you get through with finals, and it's just baseball. Well, yeah, those guys have that date circled, and I get that. That makes sense. I tell you, you know, if you handle your business and rest that long semester, you don't have to cram for finals. Well, I was one that did cram, though. <laughs> I probably was. <laughs> my least shining moment of my academic career, I think, at Arkansas State was taking a class. I mean, to tell you, it was chemistry. And eventually just sort of I let it devolve to the point where I just went on the day the syllabus said there was going to be a test. I couldn't pull that off. Well, I don't think I did very <laughs> swimmingly. <laughs> didn't keep me from getting a degree. Yeah, you're, but... you're a lot braver than I was. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that course of action. Looking forward a little bit later on to visiting with one of the new faces on the A-State football roster this year, Eddie Smith, a very talented safety that started his career at Alabama, then was at Illinois last season. So we'll uh, talk all about Eddie Smith's journey to Arkansas State coming up a little bit later on. But the A-State baseball team was in action this past weekend. They didn't have a midweek game, but they went to Texas Arlington in search of a third straight weekend series win. They had won the two games that were played against Little Rock a couple of weeks before. Took two out of three against a good Troy team the weekend after that. But Friday, uh, A-State gets down to Arlington. They get down early, three to nothing in the second inning. A couple of runs scored in that second inning on a double with two outs. And I know it's a ball that Jalen DeShazer would like to have back, one that he kind of turned around on at the warning track. And as he turned, he fell down and was unable to make the catch, and it allowed two runs to score. So it's 3 nothing at that point. But, hey, the Red Wolves came back. Justin Medlin was very good again. Man, he's been so consistent. I think with the exception of the one start, against the Cajuns where they bunted all game long. He's been as consistent as anybody. He goes six and two-thirds, allows just the three earned runs. And impressive, he went as long as he did because he was sitting at 52 pitches through two innings. So he had to work a lot early on, but then settled down after that. A home run by Jared Toler in the fourth inning. A home run by Brandon Hager in the seventh. And then Jalen DeShazer comes up big. He gets a double to tie it up in the ninth. Kevin Wiseman was great. He comes in, retires all seven batters that he faces, but UTA walks it off in the bottom of the 11th. A two-out little dribbler that got through the hole between first and second to give UTA the win, 4-3. to Again, we've seen the back end of the bullpen really solidified over the last three weeks. We know who those guys are at the back end. Wiseman, Brandon Anderson, 
and Tyler Jeans. And Brandon Anderson gives up just the one hit in the final inning in two-thirds, and it just kind of found the right spot. You say the back end, but really just pitching staff-wise, the transformation this bunch has made is really, really something. I mean, you, you just went, not to kind of jump ahead as far as going game by game, but you just went a three-game series including two extra inning games and never gave up more than five. That's getting it done on the mound. Just a complete turnaround from what we saw last season and from the start of this year. Things have just really been solidified and a big reason why is the effect that Alan Dunn has had on this pitching staff and this is a good group right now and really a lot of the struggles have come with the offense just not being able to get going. Now Saturday Will Nash gives you five innings. He gives up just two earned runs. You're down 2-1 in the seventh. But Ben Klutz ties it up with a 412-foot home run to left center. And it was fun this weekend just calling the games because UTA has the track man system that you see all the major league teams have. It's about a thirty dollars to $35,000 system, but after every pitch, you get all those numbers. The exit velo, of course, you know the pitch speed mm-hmm. and the spin rate and, and all that. Now, we knew off the bat it was 412 feet from Ben Klutz. Now... Arkansas State, just so you know, has that. They use it in the facility, in the cage. Well, yeah, they've got a system where it's inside the batting cage. And obviously, you'd love to have that to where you could actually put it out and use it during the game as well. But but they do have a similar system for when they're practicing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's tied at two, and we end up going extra innings again. And it's... The first time in A-State baseball history that they had gone to extra innings three consecutive games. You go back to the finale against Troy the week before, that went 10. The Red Wolves won that one. They lost an 11 on Friday. And in the top of the 10th inning Saturday, we talked about the offense struggling. Well, they completely (laughs) broke out that inning. Dedrick Hill with the leadoff single, then Ben Klutz. Steps up again, this time a two-run shot to give A-State the lead for good. From Novus, Klutz swings, hits it deep into left center field. This ball has a chance, and it's gone. Ben Klutz with his second home run of the game, and it puts A-State on top, 4-2. to two. Ben Klutz with a 437-foot bomb. So... The two home runs combined by Ben, 849 feet. And it seems like, and I talked about it with Coach Raffo, talked about it with Ben after that game on Saturday, it seems like the offense, once Klutz gets going, he's the offensive leader, everybody else kind of seems to follow after that. And we saw Brandon Hager, the very next batter, come up and homer off the batter's eye in dead center. That went 427. And Brandon Hager, at that point, had homered in three straight games. First Red Wolf to homer in three straight games since Matt Burgess did it back in 2016. And then they just kept adding on. They had a two-run single from Will French. Later in the inning, Ben Klutz gets up again, hits a two-run double. He finishes three for five in the game with the two homers, the double, drove in five. And A-State wins it 9-2, to two. Tyler Jeans finished it off he went the final three innings 
picks up his third win in the last three conference weekends and going three scoreless innings he's been as good as anybody yeah and it's no big mystery like i've I've been and continue to be a big tyler jeans fan just i mean even last year as a pup you know when when they went out there you just see all right this guy's got the stuff and kind of the makeup is gonna be and uh, so it's fun now to see that they've sort of found the right spot for him and he keeps kind of hawking these wins on the back ends of, of ball games because he gives you the ability to go multiple innings or go multiple days possibly both he can put up quick innings and then he's you know got a, a, an arm that bounces back enough to use him more than one time a weekend so the series is tied at one after the win on saturday and it set up a big game on Sunday because you're fighting to get at least in the top 10 in the conference standings. There's two teams that will not go to the conference tournament. Those bottom two won't go to Montgomery here in a few weeks. So you want to get in the top 10. And I think A-State, with the final three weekends, can get better than that 10 spot. But Sunday was a chance. You had a chance to go up a game and a half on UTA if you win that game. And if you lose, you're a half game behind them with those three weekends to go. And UTA gets off to a big start. They get three unearned runs in the first. But A-State gets two runs back in the third. RBI singles from Daedric Kale and Ben Klutz. And then they take the lead in the fourth with a two-run single from Jared Toler. You're up four to three. But then UTA gets a run in the sixth, then a run in the eighth. They go up five to four. You go to the top of the ninth, there's one on with two outs, and Jared Toler flies out to the warning track in right to end the game, and UTA wins it by that 5-4 to four score. I had never, and I told you about this yesterday when I was driving back, I, I thought it was a heads-up play by the center fielder. When Jared Toler hit the ball on the last play of the game, the right fielder was coming in. He completely lost the ball, and it was... A fly ball to right. The center fielder went all the way to the warning track in right to back him up. A heads-up play that you don't see very often. He caught that ball with his back up against the wall to end the game. And I don't think a lot of guys do that. So Kelly Leak would have done it. Yeah. That's maybe that's who they had out there. <laughs> well, it ended the game. Carter Holt, and kind of like Justin Medlin did, he had to throw a lot of pitches early. He threw 36 pitches in that first inning. He ends up going seven. Ties his career high, which he set the week before. He gives up just one earned run. He strikes out six, but uh, UTA wins and takes two out of three in the series. When we come back from this break, we're going to be joined in studio by A-State Safety, one of the newest members of the football team. Eddie Smith joins us next. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by... Simmons Bank. We are pleased to be joined in studio now by the junior safety for the A-State football team out of Slidell, Louisiana, Eddie Smith. How you doing, Eddie? I'm good. How you doing? 
I'm doing great. You, you brought one of your teammates in here with you today, too, hanging out. Yeah, he's always with me. Jordan Carmouche. Yeah, it looks like security. <laughs> I mean, he's over by the door. Nobody's yeah. messing with him. I wouldn't mess with him either. How are you guys so so tight so fast? Since I've been here, we both got here at the same time, and I really never met a guy that always wanted to put in extra work, and we really got close because all we did is spend time with the facility all day working out, and so that's how we became so close. All right, so you're working out all the time. Where's that work ethic come from for you? Since I've been a kid, I've always really been like doubted. And so the only thing that really gave me a peace of mind is just working out all day. So that's why I like to spend my time doing it, just working out, because that's the only time I have a clear headspace. Now, I would say there are people listening to say, I'm not sure that uh, I believe what this young man's saying, that you can sign out of Alabama with high school and be doubted. So what happened before that? Give me give me examples of you coming up, of times you feel like you were doubted. Okay, so coming into my sophomore year, I had zero scholarships. I wasn't being recruited by anybody. I actually was a soccer player. I played soccer for 13 years, and that was my what my, what my heart was. Really? And, Your yeah. first love was soccer? Yeah, I love soccer. How about it? Yeah, I played I play sweeper and, and forward. Okay. But so the process with that was I, I had a conversation with my dad, and we knew I couldn't afford to go to college. And we knew, like, it's hard to get a soccer scholarship, so I— Can't get a full, right? Yeah, so I needed to lock in on football. And in my sophomore year of high school, I did decent. But at the end of my sophomore year, I didn't have one scholarship offer. I wasn't getting looked at by anybody. And then I took that personally. So that whole summer, all I did is work out all day, every day, weights, extra footwork. And that's all I, I spent my time doing. And then my junior year, I had a great season. And then that's whenever I went from zero offers— to 35 offers and, and within one year. That's a pretty big leap. So, yeah, I, I felt like I was doubted, but I just I just took it personally. It's, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. that soccer was your love. Yes, sir. But football was the ticket. Mm-hmm. How about that? You you can give me 500 guesses of what we're going to talk about before we sat down, and I would have not gotten there. Yeah. That's cool. So, tell us about your family. Do you come from an athletic family? It's funny. I say that I don't. I don't. My, okay. my mom never played sports. My dad never played sports. My brothers played sports, but they ain't, they ain't get any looks. And I'm the baby of the family, so I, they always depended on me to, to make it out. Baby out of how many? Two boys. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm the youngest. Youngest of three boys. Yes, what do your parents do? My mom's a manager at McDonald's and my dad's a trash truck driver. Okay. Mm-hmm. You play soccer. You get into football. Now, you played both sides of the ball in high school, right? A yeah, yes, sir. Corner and a receiver. I actually played corner, receiver, kicker, and punter. You're a kicker. Well, and a well that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, soccer player should I, be I, I kick, kicking. I kicked five game winning field goals my senior year of high school. Really? Yeah. What's your range? Third as I ever had, I think the game winner was a uh, 40, 35 or forty. Okay. Mm-hmm, my senior year, it was the first game of the year we had played the. We played a team that won the state championship a year before, and we beat them by a field goal. Our starting quarterback ended up getting hurt, and so they put me at quarterback, and I couldn't really throw. And they knew I couldn't throw, so they just stacked the box. <laughs> and then our coach was just like, throw a Hail Mary. I'm like, nah, let me kick it. Let me kick it. He was like, you sure you got it? And I ended up kicking it, and we, we won it. So if things went sideways at some point this year and all the kickers were down for this, that, and the other thing, would you go tell them, hey, if you, I mean, what's well, extra point, or we need a 20-yarder or something, let me go? Absolutely. Absolutely. I never kicked off a, off the ground before, but – one day, me and Jordan and a couple other guys were in the indoor working out, and I seen them kicking, so I kicked a, a couple. So I, I still got it in me a little bit. Just got to knock the rust off. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, so you get all these offers coming out of high school, and you elect to go to Alabama. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's a lot of options where you know you can go in and play right away. Certainly, anybody that goes to Alabama knows you're going to be going up against the stiffest competition. It's going to be a fight for playing time. What made you want to accept that challenge of going to Alabama? Um, me personally, I, I always felt like I trusted myself and my abilities. And so I know going to Alabama like no other school in the country would develop me into be a – and I know I'm going against the best in the country every day. So I was like, why not? I know it would be hard to go there and play. I know it would be a grind. But I also knew that if I go there and work hard, like it could pay off and all it takes is one year there. When you've got everybody in the country coming in and giving their pitch – What's Alabama do or say different that sets them apart in the recruiting process? Honestly, the, I don't know if you ever seen the video, but uh, Nick Saban ended up doing the Cupid Shuffle at my at my house, and so I mean, I, after seeing that, <laughs> I, I, I'm always I've always been a big family guy, and I just got that that because I'm not gonna lie. At first, when they offered me, I'm like, I'm not going to Alabama. Like y'all waited too long to offer me, and then I just got that family family atmosphere from them especially when I visited and like my whole mind changed completely as soon as I visited and I I don't regret making the decision I made honestly so even though you're fighting for playing time at Alabama how did you become a better player in those three seasons while you were there Obviously, going against people like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy that'll make you better this <laughs> yeah. goes on tackling Najee Harris every day Damian Harris Josh Jacobs like you have no choice but to get better, and especially Nick Saban is the DB coach there, so I spent every day all day with him, so I was getting my butt chewed out every day by him. So you really have no choice but to get better. And I feel like it grew me more as a man off the field because I had a lot of resources. I changed my major to communications because I used to be scared to talk in front of people, so they, they, they gave me confidence to speak in front of people, and I had all the help I need with school-wise. I, I forget that Coach Saban actually – Coaches that position group. Mm-hmm. See, honestly, I was sort of I'm sitting here still letting that calculate that. I mean, you're in the room with him every day, kind of what. So, how does a guy 70 years old or whatever? How does he? How does he still make it work with 18 to 22 year olds right now? He's a really hands on coach. I know personally because he was a he's a, he's a DB's coach. So if any DB coach that goes there is basically a graduate assistant. He runs the meetings, he runs the drills, like he runs everything from the corner to the stars and safety. So, I mean, when they came up, he talked us through the film, and then he even get out there and try to backpedal, but he's he's he's, he's too old for that. So <laughs> he always embarrassed himself when he, when he did that one. All right, so you're getting that great experience. You're becoming better just playing for Nick Saban. But also, while you were there, Butch Jones comes to Alabama. Mm-hmm. What – was your first meeting like with him? Your, your first impression of Butch Jones? Uh, Coach Butch Jones, when he got there, like I've I never seen him upset ever, and I know he used to. I always always see him around the facility, and he was the only coach there. Like every time he see my real name is Edward. Every time he see me, he'd be like, "Hey, Edward, how how you doing?" And I'm like, "I'm good. How are you?" And I'm like, "We'll go, like we'll be doing one on ones," and he'll be walking around like, "Edward, my receiver's about to get on your butt in this play." Like just always laughing and telling jokes. Like he always was happy. That was that was my first impression. I'm like. Coach Bush Jones is probably the coolest coach I ever met. Now, not to bounce around, but I don't want to forget this. Now you come to Arkansas State, 
And Butch Jones is the head coach. He's in that Nick Saban seat. Have you still never seen him upset? Nah, I've definitely seen him upset. <laughs> <laughs> that changed kind of quick. Huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, you you spend three seasons at Alabama. You end up transferring after the 2020 season, the COVID season, and you play last year at Illinois. So what was it that made you decide to transfer again, and why did you choose Arkansas State? Um, honestly, I, just, I, I wasn't happy at Illinois at all. I knew like if I was going to continue to play football, in order to be a good player, I needed to be happy. And at Illinois, they had me as a cornerback, and I felt like I always was a safety. And they told me they wanted me to play corner, and I, I just wasn't willing to do that because I feel like I'm, I'm best at safety. And then when I entered the portal, Coach Andy Quine was the first coach to call me. Like the sec, like probably like an hour into the portal, Coach Andy Quine called me, and he told me that they need me. He was like, we had a relationship at Alabama. Like, you know, I wouldn't lie to you. Like, there's a need for safety. He said, we need a leader to come here. And then Coach Bush Jones called me immediately after Coach Quine called me, and it was just like, I could come here and then be myself, and I could lead, and I could – set the standard and everything and I was I was up for the challenge and you already knew those guys so I'm sure there was a comfort level with them yes sir it's interesting because that's such a big organization at least from the outside looking in looking at Alabama I'm a little bit surprised that you would have a chance to really know coach Quan that much Mm -hmm. you know figured he was over on the offensive side of the ball coach Quan ran a scout team for the offense so we used to go against him every day you mentioned Jordan and how you guys struck up a quick friendship you already knew coach Quan, you knew coach jones but another one of the transfers came in from alabama too, king makuda talk about your relationship with him and how much does it help just knowing all the people you do when you set foot on campus uh, one thing about king king is a great football player i remember he first enrolled into school and i remember our first scrimmage against the ones like king had three sacks and king is always energetic and he always happy and I remember he entered the transfer portal, and I know he came on a visit here, and I told him, I was like, bro, I know you could go anywhere else in the country that you want to. Like, I know you as a highly recruit. I was like, but there's a need for you here. You could come here and be a leader and just really take over this conference. And he took the opportunity, and he's been doing good. You just went through your first spring practice. That's part of being able to transfer after last season, what were your thoughts after being able to be out there on the field with your teammates for the first time? I was shocked because what I was told is like the energy used to be bad. Like a lot of guys didn't want to be here. And since I've been here personally, it's been the total opposite of that. Like you see guys at the facility all night working out. Guys always doing extra work. And I just feel like we're bonding more. Like the locker room's fun. Like we play music, we dance, we joke around. There's not any guys that are just selfish or anything. Like we, we're, we're actually a team. Like we bond together. We love each other. You know, Coach Jones, he'd been, you know, to the peak level as a head coach in the SEC. Still yet in those times, it's clear in talking to him in the three years he spent there, kind of the influence, you know, Coach Saban had, they're obviously very tight still. So now you've been in a program headed up by both guys. What are the similarities in what Coach Jones is trying to do here and what Coach Saban did at Alabama? Honestly, we're running like the exact same schedule around that Bama. Like everything's the same from the conditioning to like practice. Like we, we try to do everything as the same schedule. So it's it's really actually the same. It's the same exact thing. The practice set up, everything is the exact same. And Coach Jones and Coach Saban talk very often. And I know 
they continue to be friends. And you talk about those big similarities as far as the schedule, but what are the big differences between the two? What do you see there? I would say Coach Bush Jones is a little nicer than Saban because Saban, <laughs> Saban's a defensive coach and then Coach Bush Jones is an offensive coach. So that's totally different for me. So at Bama, if the offenses have a good day, when we break it up at the end, Saban be mad and it's like, oh, bad practice. And now it's the opposite. But yeah, Saban definitely is a little meaner, I'll say. You're Going, talking about on field? Or? Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, would you think that if you played offense, it was flip-flop? Yeah, uh, I'll probably... Uh, you still would think there, you'd say Butch Jones is meaner because yeah. he's an offensive guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get it. That makes sense. Mm. As far as the system here and playing for Coach Harley, your, your new defensive coordinator, and, and we've got a new DB's coach and, and Coach Simpson. Talk about your relationship with them. Coach Harley, when he recruited me, I instantly like I, I felt like I could trust him. He had my plays broken down and showed me how he could use me, so I knew I could come here and, and be successful. And uh, he just—I feel like he's a great coach. Like he knows what plays are coming before they even come. He's always energetic. I never really felt loved as a player until I really got here. And Coach Charlie always telling me, he's always telling me like, "I believe in you." He texts me every day like, "I believe in you," even when I mess up on the smallest things. And I actually got a clip in my phone. I remember I made a tackle, and then Coach Harley was the first person over there, and he gave me like the biggest hug. And I just felt like a kid again. And like stuff like that make you want to play football and play harder for your coaches. And as far as Coach Simpson, I love Coach Simpson to death. Like that's probably honestly since I've been in college, that's, that's the best coach I've had. I feel like he relates to his players a lot, and I feel like the things that he teaches us is it direct. I mean, it translates directly to the field. The relationships he have with his players, like I know every DB will run through a brick wall for him. You can be on the back end of that defense this season. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna ask you the question that. Arkansas State fans everywhere are going to want to know, how many 99-yard touchdowns do you think you'll allow this coming season? Uh, we hope it's zero. Okay. Well, it's going to be zero. I'm going to say that. I'm, <laughs> speaking it. I'm going to speak it into existence. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the tape from early in the uh, year uh, last I've year, but it. It, it was yes, sir. Nah, it was completely different by the end of the year, right? You saw mm-hmm. those guys come on, but early it was, yeah, it was, seen, it was I've something. Seen it. I've seen it. All right. You actually watched it. Yes, sir. Bless your heart. <laughs> You're there at the back end of the defense, but uh, as far as just your overall impressions of, of what you saw from the rest of your teammates on that defensive side of the ball, how good can this group be this year? We could be really good, like really, really good. Like we, the safeties, uh, me and Taylor Doss, we've been doing. We had a good spring communication wise. Uh, both corners are extremely talented. Like we have depth at every position. Jordan transferred in. KB's been doing good at linebacker. Thurm, Thurman's been playing really, really good. He's probably yeah. had the best spring that I've seen from a, a defensive end since I've been in college. And just everywhere. Like, there's no weakness in this defense right now. And we have depth. Like Even the backups are, are doing good. So we could be extremely talented. I want to kind of recap here because it's been interesting. You're a soccer player who loved the game of soccer you play football because, it's, and I'm not saying you don't love football, but at some point it was almost a business decision. Mm-hmm. You want to do it with the chip on your shoulder, and, and you said you came here, and the reason you and Jordan have clicked is because he's the one guy that puts in as much work as you. I want to know how much of that came from your parents, because you've talked about what they did, and obviously when, those are jobs that you got to work hard. So mm-hmm. what did you learn about hard work from them? My mom, like she took care of me and my three brothers. My, my parents always been split. And my mom always took care of me and my three brothers, and I never really understood how 
she could with the amount of money she made, but she always made it work. Like we always had food mm-hmm. to eat whenever she was hungry. I had a challenger in high school. She always found a way to put gas in my car, and that wasn't cheap. And my dad, I mean, my dad's been – he started at the bottom. Like he, he started rough, and then to be where he is now, I feel like that's where I get my, my work ethic from, especially my mother, because I, I don't know how that woman used to get it done, but she did all the time. Those are two really good inspirations mm-hmm. that you have there, and you see that work ethic. Now, one thing you did mention is when Coach Jones called you to come to Arkansas State, and I think you said Coach Kwan said the same thing, they needed a leader. So how can one of the new guys, which you're one of the new guys here at A-State, how do you step in and try to be a leader right away? Are, are you vocal out on the field? Honestly, at first, like it, I was uncomfortable at first when I first got here. Probably took me like a week to finally start speaking up and everything. And then uh, we actually had this little training come in, Navy Navy SEAL training. And they literally made you step up and be a leader. So I felt like once I got that, I got more comfortable. And I was like a month before spring ball. And then when spring ball came, I used my voice. And I never had a problem with nobody not listening to me. Like anything I ever said, like people agree with and they, they do what I say. So like knowing that I have people that are behind me and everything, it was it was easy to become a leader then. Now tell me about this Navy SEAL stuff. I mean, what all did they have you do? All right, so what I had to do is like at first we had to do a perfect jumping jack. Everybody had to be on the same page. We had to do a perfect sit up. Twenty of them. Everybody had to be on the same page, and I had to literally use my voice in front. We have hundreds of players on the team, and every time we messed up, we start all the way over. We had to do a certain amount of jumping jacks, certain amount of sit ups, certain amount of um, like burpees. And we kept messing up over and over again. It was like extremely frustrating, but we ended up getting it. It took like 30 minutes, but I had to use my voice and I had to lead the whole team to do that. And they used many, many players like to do different activities. And I feel like that that helped us as a team tremendously. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think it would help the exercise? I mean, do you think that it was going to take 30 minutes either way? Or do you think you really were messing up? I feel like it took 30 minutes either way because it's hard for a uh, hundred and ten guys to all do a sit up at the exact same time perfectly. So I mean, it, it takes communication and it takes messing up to eventually do it right. What's your favorite thing about being at A State so far? Honestly, the family atmosphere is how like everything is together. Kind of getting the same feeling I had at Alabama. Like it's not split. Like every I feel like everybody, all the coaches love to be here. The coaches like to be around the players. We go to the coach's house and eat dinner with the wives and everything and just hang out and watch TV. So I'm a big family guy, so when I when I have that, I'm happy. So that's been my biggest thing since I've been here. Well, it's great to have you as part of the A-State family now. Great to have you in studio today and really looking forward to seeing you this fall. Yes, sir. Thank you. No problem. That's Eddie Smith joining us here in studio. We've got more to come on the Second to Done podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here refinished the floors here twice? Sized up your daughter's boyfriends here? Waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave? This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The track and field teams with a, another busy weekend. Their final tune-ups 
before the Sunbelt Outdoor Championships coming up May 12th through the 14th. It's going to be in Lafayette this year. But three different meets this past weekend. The Drake Relays in Des Moines. Famous meet. Yeah, the Music City Challenge in Nashville. That's hosted by Vanderbilt. And the Maroon and White Invite in Starkville. And there's so many of our athletes that are putting in top five, top ten finishes that we'd be here all day naming all that. But some of the highlights. Frank Massey winning the high jump at the Maroon and White Invite. Jacob Tracy wins the discus at the Music City Challenge. Willem Kurtzen finished third in that same event. Cameron Newton-Smith, third in the long jump in Starkville. Imar Simo, second in the hammer throw in Nashville. Ace Day goes 2-3-4 and four in the 100-meter hurdles at the Music City Challenge. Tyra Neighbors, Shelby Melvin, and Alexis Woodall doing that. The men's 4 by 100 team finishes second at Vandy. Jacob Tracy, third in the shot put. Kevon Holder and Will Glass go 1-2 in the 110-meter hurdles at Vandy. Bradley Jelmert and Trey South with a 1-2 finish in the pole vault at Mississippi State. Shelby Melvin, third place finish in the 400-meter hurdles at Vandy. Lizzie Martin finishes second in the 5K at Vanderbilt. And the women's 4x400 team finishes third at Vanderbilt. You know, over the years, just to get to speak with Coach Patchell and his staff and just always trying to peel another layer of that onion back and learn just how detailed everything is, how everything is, everything they do is based on a schedule essentially to win a Sunbelt championship in terms of getting people at their peak, their peak performance at the conference meet. There are some of those. Like there, there are some people, some of those athletes get conditioned to a point where they're put in a spot where they empty the tank at the Sunbelt meet because that may be their last meet of the year. Some of those, you know, they don't. They specifically kind of train them a different way because they have a deeper schedule. They want them to get a chance to go to the regional or the national meet. Nothing's done by chance or by whim. and they, I mean, everything is roadmapped. And uh, typically, uh, those roadmaps uh, lead to the uh, – podium the top of it they do <laughs> and winning the conference titles thought one of the great stories from last week was our good buddy olivia schmidt she became an individual qualifier for the ncaa women's golf championship regionals only the second player in school history and the first since 2000 to accomplish that feat. She was one of six individual qualifiers selected for the Tallahassee Regional, which is coming up May 9th through 11th. So just another feather in the cap for Olivia. And look, this is a big deal. You know, Georgia Southern wins that women's golf championship. They're going yeah. to the regionals. And the only other player in the Sun Belt that's going is Olivia. Matter of fact, Georgia Southern's going to the Tallahassee, uh, the Tallahassee Regional. I like Tallahassee. Yeah. That's- so the uh, Sunbelt champ and the only Sunbelt individual will both be at that regional. And what uh, uh, she'll need to do is finish top two among the individuals playing, you know, that, that aren't on a team Okay. to advance to the NCAA championship. So top two out of six, she'll be able to go. She'll top two out of it, yeah, off an individual. From, but it could be 
And the only thing I don't know about that is whether that means out of just the individuals or if you can qualify. I don't know if you can qualify as an individual if your team doesn't advance. So I don't know if that's just out of the individuals or if it's out of the individuals Maybe plus so. everybody on the team that didn't get out. All right. So congratulations to Olivia. Just another great feat. She was actually on your show right after she found out. Yeah. And pretty neat she actually was doing that interview right in the middle of the football field yeah because they had had a graphic up on the uh, video board and uh yeah so they were going down there for some photos so she stood right midfield and did the show so yeah miracles of modern technology couple of other notes from this past week uh, from the A-State tennis team. Head coach Kel Lang did not have his contract renewed so the Red Wolves now looking for a new tennis coach and this is um, some people may say, well, that's interesting that you'd go through a coaching change without an AD. And I would agree with you if it was almost any other sport but this one. Because Amy Holt is the acting AD who spent the bulk of her career mm-hmm. as a college tennis coach, including a head college tennis coach. What she was doing, she came to Arkansas State. So she's uniquely qualified she to those the folks in the game around the country to go out and extremely confident with her heading up the search for a new tennis coach and then jojo azugu able to sign a undrafted free agent deal with the tampa bay buccaneers just the one season this past year at arkansas state but it was a heck of a year and certainly made an impact as a defensive end for the red wolves and cheering him on as he makes the next step yeah, happy for him and happy for a, a guy from Arkansas State to you know, get a chance to, to keep playing. Got anything else we need to talk about today? I'm sitting here thinking as we were talking, you know, last week was so queued up, we knew exactly what was going to be. Uh, <laughs> That's right. The bathroom ran. Yeah, which... we, yeah, I had some people, you know, kind of come up had, over the course of the week, kind of talk about the men's room at the time. and Were, were they in? agreement with us well some of them had just never been there so they were you know just uh I, anybody who's been in it it's a no brand i mean I, again nobody's ever been in that thing so oh, that's well laid out so <laughs> i mean I, so i mean you've either got people who agree or people who've never been in there it's the only two categories you know i keep a, a note on my phone with a list of things to rant about and I, so if i don't have anything so front of mind that i need to grab my list right now i'll just let it slide All right. Well, our thanks to Eddie Smith for coming by and being part of the program today. I do want to remind you, A-State baseball is back in action this weekend. They're going to be in Mobile taking on South Alabama. First pitch Friday at 6.30, Saturday at 6.30, and Sunday at 1. Of course, you can hear all those games on the Ticket Radio Network. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week.